Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Before we begin, we'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. All right. Welcome to Revolution. The massive crowds here. <laughs> America's fastest shrinking church. Um, yeah. Um, well, today I thought I would share a little bit about what I talked about on the tour. And I don't know why I didn't think about that last week, but well, that's, I didn't think about last week because that last sermon was on my mind. But yeah, so I was thinking about it. I would sh- share a little bit about why and what, you know, the tour is. I mean, I, I did share that, but we, uh, looks like we're going to be doing some more Loose in the Bible Belts, which is where we just kind of tour and try to show people that people from different backgrounds and different belief systems can work together. It's an odd, such an odd thing. And, uh, but people seem to like it, and it looks like we might be doing a bunch of shows in Alabama, which is really wild. And, uh, and then also one in Atlanta, hopefully, which is nice because that's my old hometown. <clears throat> hometown. Uh, hometown. And we have a good time there. But kind of my idea was is to do, for, for this last tour, uh, every tour I do something different, but for this last tour was to kind of apologize, but also kind of give a basic Christianity, my version of Christianity, um, 101. And so that's where what I did. And so I started with um, in Matthew, and I used the New Living. I actually went and bought a new Bible, so I had the New Living with a bold print, and I could mark it up and not get confused because my other New Living is so old, it's marked up all over the place. And if I read all the highlights, I get lost. So I got a nice leather-like Bible because I'm vegetarian and trying to do less animals in my life. Um, but I started with Matthew 22, 36, where it says, uh, and this is stuff that I've taught here a lot, but it's kind of like a condensed version. Um, where the teachers of religious law, the Pharisees say, Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and second is equally as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and the demands of this prophets are based on these two two commandments. Now, the idea that equally important is loving God and loving neighbor is, is something that a lot of people don't grasp. When they see religion, they think religion is full of these sacrifices, full of these choosing between people, because then they go, well, who is my neighbor? And you're like, well, 
Jesus says, even our enemies are our neighbors. You know, we're supposed to even do good to those who don't like us. You know, everybody is our neighbor, and we're supposed to love them as ourselves. Um, this is a basis, basic, basic, basic rules and laws of Christianity. If you want to live by something, this is the one to live by. You know, and I like in Matthew because it does say is equally as important. Um, and, you know, we've messed it up. We've messed it up big time. You know, we, we have not shown this. Jesus later on says to the Pharisees, he goes, What sorrow awaits you teachers, you religious law, you Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you cross land and sea to make one convert and then turn that person into twice the child of hell yourself, yourselves are. And that seems to be what a lot of people have experienced. And being down south, you know, I would just say, you know, is anybody religious here? And you wouldn't see sometimes there would be no hands up. And I, and I would be like, well, how, much, how many of you have religious baggage? You know, and everybody would say, we do. And um, it's amazing, like, these small things that we take for granted in a lot of places, people didn't hear, you know, didn't read. Um, how Christians should be known. In John 13, it says, John 13, four, uh, 14, 34, I mean, says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other, and your love for one another should prove to the world that you were my disciples. You know, this is how Christians are supposed to be known. This is how you prove to be a disciple is for your love for one another. You know, and, and you don't see that. You don't see it on you know, online. You don't see it on, you know, in churches a lot. And a lot of us left the church because we felt that we weren't, this wasn't a priority. You know, because we felt like second-class citizens or were made to feel like second-class citizens. And uh, one on the tour, I had somebody come up to me and say, you know, maybe, you know, they said they were raised in the church, but they said it maybe had they heard this growing up that maybe they would have stuck with the church. But they still didn't want anything, to, but, but they were like, but I don't want anything to do with the church, you know. But the idea is, is to let people realize that, you know, we're sorry it's not to convert people, but kind of say we're sorry, and these are some of the things that maybe you missed out on. These are some of the things that maybe weren't highlighted. And, uh, you know, Brian McLaren had a book, A New Kind of Christianity, or A New Kind of Christian, you know. And it's not really new at all, but it's another type of Christian and just saying, well, there's others out there who do believe in this stuff and aren't, the ones who want to throw you out, aren't the ones who want to judge you, you know, aren't the ones who want to make you feel guilty, you know, or as me growing up, believing in the rapture, you know, I'd come home and nobody would be home and I would thought, I've been left behind. God forbid there would be some sort of clothing on the ground or something and I would really be terrified. Um, 
you know, one of the questions asked is, is well, maybe, maybe Christian love is different than, than what we see as normal love. Because if we're seeing different things, if we're seeing people saying, well, I don't want you to associate with these people, or I don't, the reason I'm being mean to you, or the reason I'm not judging you, or the reason I am judging you is because I love you. I'm just telling you the truth out of love. How many times have we heard that? That's exciting. Um, Because usually when they're telling you the truth out of love, it's not usually one, you know. And I'm not saying there isn't a time for that. There is a time for for that. But there's sometimes it's just overused and it's abused and it creates a counterfeit love. And I shared Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, it's not jealous, it's not boastful, it's not proud, it's not rude, it doesn't demand its own way, you know, to show that love is love. You know, love is love. And, uh, and to say that love doesn't demand its own way and that love is it keeps no record, this is something that a lot of people hadn't seen or hadn't heard. A lot of people don't hear, and we take it for granted. You know, and people who listen to Revolution have probably heard this a million times. But the idea is, is if we go back to what Jesus was saying at the Last Supper, they'll know you by your love for one another. It doesn't matter what your theology is or your philosophy in life is, if you can allow this to be an intricate part of that philosophy of showing love for one another and treating each other with love and respect. You know, that's a huge thing. So you can be a Christian atheist, you can be a conservative Christian, you can be, uh, you know, have all these different ideas and still show people the essence of what Christianity is, and that is love. Um, one of the things that I took me years to realize, not years, but yeah, I was kind of shocked when I, because I missed it, but was at the end of Corinthians 13, it says three things will remain forever. And it's funny because I have faith, hope, and love tattooed on my back. I have a giant back piece and it's based around that, (laughs) those three things. Um, it says the three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And it took me forever to realize that Paul was saying love is greater than your own faith. And so if your faith gets in way of your love for other people, then it's time to put your faith aside. Don't let that become such an idol that it keeps you from loving other people. So you know that when that gets in the way, and how do you, you ask yourself, you know, am I loving people? Am I, is my religion getting in the way? Is my dogma getting in the way? Is my theology getting in the way? You know, sometimes I even think that our, our, we become so social justice minded that even we allow sometimes those things to get in the way of loving other people or loving the others, the ones that are not, you know, the ones that were saying, hey, we want you to see differently. But instead we're saying, we want to see differently. We're saying, you're awful, you're horrible, you know, you're making this world hell. You know, and, and I, like I said before, there is a time for that. But if you're constantly full of bitterness and anger towards other people, it's time to re, 
evaluate what faith looks like. It's time to reevaluate what social justice looks like. I think Gandhi and Martin Luther King, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. laid a great path for that. I'm right now reading um, the, uh, what's it called? I think it's the, the Power to Love or The Courage to Love. It's a collection of uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s sermons. And, you know, just how he thought for a while that love was a sentimental thing that just kind of was wishy-washy. And, you know, when he started to go get his doctorate and go to, you know, he, he got in the way. But he said somehow studying Gandhi, after studying all these other people, studying Gandhi brought him right back to realizing that the love was the greatest power that it wasn't this sentimental, wishy-washy, you know, like, oh, love wins, oh, love's great. You know, it, it's not that, that it's powerful, that nonviolence creates a powerful thing. Loving your enemies changes your enemies. And, um, and that he decides, you know, that love is the greatest power. And he says, you know, I can't hate, I can't hate my enemy. It's too great of a burden. And I have to stick with love. And so I think it's great that even Paul the Apostle, who sometimes says some really crazy stuff, agrees that love is the greatest of all. Love wins over your even your own faith and your hope. And I love that someone as educated as Dr. King was able to say, you know, I saw the sentimental, wishy-washy side of love but then, you know, I came back to love. You know, I, I came back to that and realized it wasn't a sentimental, wishy-washy thing, that it was the most powerful thing that we could have. First John 4 um, is slowly becoming one of my favorite verses in the world. And... Um, I'll share it with you. It says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God, and anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Um, to me, these are healing words. To me, this is encouraging because seeing God is infinite and seeing love is infinite when we humans are finite and we have so many finite ideas that will change over time and our theologies change and become new things and ideas change. But this idea that love and God and love are one and it's a continuous thing and that if you go back to that faith, hope, and love and the greatest of these is love, you know, it's this idea that if that's the essence of God, then it's saying that that's still the greatest thing. You're in touch with God when you love. You're in touch with God when you feel loved. You know, it's, an ex it's quite an experience. As someone who suffers from depression, it, sometimes you feel godless when that depression hits because you don't feel love because your, your chemicals in your body aren't allowing you to feel love. Um, that's a tough one. It's, it's tough to, to, to uh, navigate 
and I know a lot of folks who listen here and come here deal with depression also. And so it really can be a, a hard thing to, to, to cope with. Um, accepting you're accepted is a tough, tough thing when you feel like you don't add up. But so, what, so here it says God is love and that love, anyone who doesn't love is, you know, doesn't know God. Goes on to say in eleven, I'm jumping around here. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and His love is brought to full expression in us. So, going back to Corinthians 13, looking at that love, and then listening to what Jesus said about loving God and loving others is equally as important. And then coming here and seeing God is love, and it says, Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us. See, there we go, right there. And God's love is brought into full expression in us. Jumping down again, uh, around 16, it says, God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. So, when we experience people who love us and we experience people who love others, we experience God. And, you know, it's not always Christians. It's not always other believers. And, but that's the point. The point of this faith is love, to show love, to experience love. God is love. And to experience God is to experience love. Does that make sense? Um, but for so many people, they don't know that. You know, so many people, they don't, They've just, they got their childhood religion. They got what they were raised and taught. And this isn't something that is a reality. And there's just too much built on top of that. And I'm sorry for that. I really am. Being a parent myself, I know how hard it is raising a child in it to be what? You know, do I program my child right away or not? You know, it's funny because I, we don't talk a lot about religion and you don't, they don't, I don't bring them to church with me because I kind of want them to be able to choose what they want in their own time. And uh, Milo always asks me, though, he's like, how's church? How's church? And, uh, you know, I, I'm going to bring him. I mean, they might come for our... December 17th Bowl-O-Rama, our Christmas bowling party on December 17th. So Karen and the kids might come out for that. Um, but it's funny because they don't, he doesn't learn a lot about that. He knows Papa goes to church on Sundays. And uh, it's funny because at his daycare, though, he, <laughs> he got taught Jesus loves me because it's a daycare, they're kind of religious too. And so he was walking around, and he was singing that. And I was like, what are you saying? And he's like, for the Bible tells me so, yes, we just love me. And I was like, where did you learn that? Isn't that funny? Like, that's where you start to worry about your children learning Christian songs, Christian children's songs. Um, but he, uh, he obviously learned it at school, where they learn so much. And... Um, 
but then I've thought to myself, I'm like, well, you know, I told Karen, I'm like, if his grandmother was alive, my mom, um, she probably would have already taught that to him anyway. So, because that was her thing. Jesus was love and love was always the trump card, which I, trump is a weird word now. (laughs) But the trump card, the card that trumps all others, not Donald, um, for me is always going to be love. Goes on to say, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we're afraid, it is fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced perfect love. What love? We love each other because God loved us first. Now listen to that. We, if we experience fear. I mean, how many people have grown up in a fear-based church? Even the Bible talks about, you know, fear God, with, you know. But if you, if you really unpack that, it really means awe, wonder, reverence, and respect. It doesn't mean tremble in the corner, scared, which so many of us have been taught. Um, so we're not even supposed to live in fear. That's another tough one. But that's the type of love that we, we aim for, the type of love that we, we'd like to see. You know, that's the type of love that's good news. This isn't bad news. It is tough. It's tough to love people like this. And I think that's why you have to die to yourself and pick up your cross and do all that crap. (laughs) I mean, stuff, good stuff. Um, Because that is the sacrifice, is loving others. Man, it's tough. You know, I have people in my life going like, why don't you just stop doing that? Why don't you, why do you, you know... How do you how do you care about someone who's done something like that? You know? And it's it's love. It's 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 a love that I've had to practice over time. I'm not tooting my own horn and be like, I've got it. No, sometimes you really have to practice it. You know, and you have to like try to work it out. And it takes time to cultivate, you know, that kind of love. And, 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 you know, loving people despite your differences. You know, people say, well, doesn't it make you angry, the stuff your dad says and all that, and how do you guys even relate to each other or talk to one another, and how do you do any of that? And we don't do a lot of talking with each other. But the fact is, is love has to be the main point. And it's funny because my dad's even said that to me before that love has got to be the, our main focus. We just have to focus on love. We'll just have to love each other and disagree. And that's tough. It's tough for families. You know, but love doesn't kick its kid out when its kid comes out of the closet. You know, love doesn't, doesn't do that. You know, one of the things is being on that tour and the Loosen the Bible Belt tour and preaching this exact sermon was saying, you know, the fruit of, like, the ex-gay movement, because we were talking a lot about LGBTQ stuff, is suicide and homelessness, you know, low self-esteem, depression, self-hatred, you know, and that does not come from love. 
that comes from something that's perverse. It's a perverse idea of love that's controlling and it's counterfeit love. It's not the real love. It's not the real thing, you know. And it just doesn't, it doesn't have, the fruit of that is destruction. And that is not peace, patience, kindness, joy, you know, the, the hope, those, the, I don't know all the fruits of the Spirit off the top of my head because I'm a bad pastor. I'm a bad pastor. But, um, but it's not those things. It's not the good fruits. It's bad fruit. It will be known by your fruit. And that's not love. Now, I can't say that these all went out, went over well. I had, you know, speaking this on the, in bars and things like that, you know, I also had pushback, a lot of pushback from people, atheists or drunk <laughs> or things like that, you know. Um, but that's the, the thing. It's, it's hard to go out and try to defend a faith that's done so much to hurt people and made so much pain, caused so much pain, and trying to go like, I'm sorry. I'm desperately sorry that you've been hurt. I'm desperately sorry that you haven't seen this. I'm desperately sorry, and this is what I've seen. And that's not to say that the Bible is perfect. You know, it's a collection of books and letters and poems, and some of it says some things that I don't agree with. You know, but learning that the love is this trump card, learning that love is this thing, is I've learned to be able to see the Bible through a love lens, through a Christ lens. Just to finish with this, is, it says, if someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer or another, this says believer because it's the paraphrased Bible, but hates another, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? we don't love people we can see how can we love god we can't see i mean wow it's like i don't even need to talk about it you know that's these there's the bible often just preaches itself says what it needs to say and that's a pretty amazing thing is that i you know if we don't love people we can see how do we love god whom we can't see this is what christians are called to this is what you know this is you know, and if you put that together with things like what Jesus said, don't judge, stop judging one another. How you judge, you will be judged. Press down, shaking together, whenever. Don't judge each other. Stop judging. The Lord says, stop judging. You know, and you take it and you mix it with this in the Corinthians 13 and the most important commandment. And you look at this and you start to get this really great idea and you start to see what Dr. King saw. And, and he said, well, you know what? Who put feet on this and really made this happen? and didn't even read this book, was, well, didn't subscribe to this, but probably read it, and didn't subscribe, was, you know, someone like Gandhi, but he's like, you know, you take those two things together, and you use the, the nonviolence and mix it with this type of love, and something radical happens, something amazing happens, something that changed the world happens. So it ends with, I've given you this commandment that those who love God must also love their fellows, fellow people, fellow human beings. You know, that's First John 4, and I love that. 
this should be a no-brainer for, you know, this would be what's taught in, in the, in the in when, yeah, I remember going to bigger churches and they would have new believer courses, you know, or they'd have, or just at least new member courses. And it seems like this is the type of thing that should be taught for that. For me, it's this is the basics of my faith, the foundation of my faith. And I hope that, that others will allow that to be the foundation of their faith. And there's more good stuff in there about love and grace and hope. Those are just the ones I picked to take on the tour with me and share with people in different places. And... Uh, it was nice to see, to get kind reactions from it as well. Not necessarily mind-blowing, like, this is my faith. I'm going to dig it, man. I'm going to take it, you know. But at least people going, well, this is a different way of seeing it. So, yeah, there you go. Love. Another love sermon. And I think I've already even named some sermons, another love sermon, so I can't even call this that. (laughs) Yet, yet another love sermon. That's a good idea because that's weird. This year has been so much about love and Jesus for me in the Bible. This is as far as my teachings go. And in the past, it's always been, you know, Paul and Grace and things like that. So it's really weird that love is the thing right now and realizing how those two have to interact and how they, when they come together, how powerful they really are. Um, so uh, with an, ex- an experiment, but there's not a whole lot of us here, but we have a microphone, and um, we were going to practice to see if anybody wanted to share and talk after the service, about the service and what the service is, so we could share this with the community online as well. Um, So, given that, if anybody would like to talk, we can, and if not, we'll just close the service. No? All right. Well, we'll continue. You get brave. Remember, love never gives up. (laughs) So, all right. Thanks for coming. I'm going to say a quick prayer and pass the hat. Uh, Lord, I thank you for your grace and your mercy and your love. And uh, I thank you for the folks who are here. And I thank you for the folks online. And, uh, yeah. Just ask that your will be done in our lives and that we learn to love more and that we don't allow things to get in the way of love. Amen.